Awesome. Well, yeah, we um, we're so blessed, honestly, to every once in a while come in and be with you, whether it's the opportunity to to speak or just you know receive from the ministry. And I'm so blessed to know that there's a a church in the area that um, values the gifts of the Spirit, being Spirit-filled. But more than that, it's obvious that when you walk in the door that uh, you love Jesus. And and I love coming and being a part of um, service here because I feel so loved when I walk in when I walk in the door. And uh, and so I, I value that so much as a campus pastor because I know that students are loved when they walk in the door. And um, there's, I mean, you guys know, <laughs> in the area, there's not that many churches and there's not that many campus ministries that value those things uh, at, in, in Blacksburg and in Christiansburg. And so it, it's, it's so encouraging. And I'll be honest with you, as, as we moved here three and a half years ago, um, it's always been such a, a huge encouragement um, to know that there's a church that stands behind us in prayer. And, uh, and I've always been so blessed that when there's been a need for an outreach event or anything else that we're doing and, and we call Tulio, he's always so quick to, to respond. And I know there's a process through that, and which I, I, I greatly appreciate the elders of the church, believing in reaching the campus. Um, I'm just kind of curious in the room, how many people are sitting here who have been impacted uh, directly or maybe even indirectly by a Chi Alpha ministry? Yeah, just look around. Look, look around that. Oh my gosh, thank you, Jesus. Right, we're so blessed. And and I again, I can't speak enough of of this place and and of the leadership here, and and so blessed again just to have the opportunity to come and speak with you. I did just get home from. Uh, we just had spring break last week, and and because we believe in mission, uh, we sent four teams, four different locations. We had a team go to Georgia Tech to to lift the arms of the campus ministry there of Chi Alpha and to come in. And our prayer was that they would come in and, and again, just encourage, but also reach and, and connect with as many students as possible with the purpose of sharing the gospel. And, uh, and so uh, we just, they got back, I believe, yesterday. I haven't even connected with any, many of them. We sent a team to Alabama, and they were working with a, a Habitat for Humanity. Um, and uh, we have some students that were on that trip here this morning. Um, but but the purpose again, just to, again to love a community and, and help uh, reach and build a, a home for the for the needy. But I know that they went down on a mission also to to love and to serve and to share the gospel as much as possible. We sent a team to Peru, um, and they were um, down there. They were going about six to eight schools a day, uh, doing dramas and sharing testimonies and, and sharing the gospel and putting the gospel in the hands of every child in that school that they would go to. And so they're getting back today. Um, and then I led a team to Columbia. And it, what, we're, what Virginia Tech Chi Alpha is doing in Columbia is we're planning a campus ministry. There, is no, uh, there, there are no Pentecostal campus ministries in the country of Columbia. And so we want to be a part of a starting something and igniting something. We went down, and to be honest, um, in the summer... Um, actually, John and I, we went to do some scouting and see what campuses God would call us to be a part of. And I honestly got back and I just didn't feel anything really that the Lord was really stirring my heart for. And, and somebody connected with me and said, you got to connect with uh, these missionaries in Armenia, Colombia. And, and so as I was praying through that process, I, 
to be honest, I didn't get like a specific word of the Lord. I just felt like this is the place we need to go. And so we went down this spring break. And you know what? This university is known for their engineering department. Isn't that crazy that God sets it up like that? Isn't it amazing? And uh, I'll just share some testimony. I had talked to the uh, missionaries down there um, a week before we left. And, and honestly, they were really concerned, but they weren't being specific with me, you know? And um, I get down there to only find out that the lady that would have the, the power to keep us out of the university, to say, you're not welcome here, said no a week before we got there. There's no way I'm letting you on this campus. A few years ago, we had some... Uh, uh, she probably didn't use this word, but gringos come down, and, um, and it wasn't good. Now, supposedly they came down for, for the Lord, but they, they really burned some bridges and, and caused some, some problems. And two days before we got there, I believe it was two days, it might be three days before we got there, she had a change of heart. But it was such a radical change of heart that she's, she said, this, she gave... Uh, Caitlin, who's the missionary down there, um, numbers to, to connect with different departments of the university to see if there's any way we can have um, a way to partner with them in order to, to just bless them in their department. So they're asking our majors, you know, do you have any engineering students that can come and speak on the behalf of, you know, Virginia Tech and that kind of a thing? And obviously we know that would be a great in, you know. One of the things that we did get to do in that process, because um, there was such short-term notice, but we're going back in two months, um, that we, we did get to have an English cafe. And while we sat down and we talked with them in, in English, we were able to lead three of those students to the Lord in that time. Just a little bit after that, there was I went back to the cafe, because there's actually an English cafe on their campus. I went back to the cafe, and there was this young man, Andreas, sitting down, and, and I went over and talked to him, and, and since he was sitting in the English cafe, I just assumed he spoke English, and praise the Lord, he did, because I don't speak any Spanish. And I got talking with him for a little while, and um, all of a sudden, he just, I, to be honest, it, it had to be the, the Lord, because I, we didn't go there. I wasn't purposely going to see if he needed healing for anything, but he had mentioned how he tore his rotator cuff, and so every time he went like this, he uh, it, it hurt really bad, and and so I just said, you know, I believe Jesus loves you, man, and, and Jesus can heal you right right here. And he's like, can I sit so I can I pray for you? And he's like, yeah, sure. So we prayed. And he goes, <laughs> I think I love his reaction. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It, it doesn't hurt. You know? And so we had some... We had some fun while we were there, and, and honestly, probably the greatest thing is that we left the missionaries there, Caitlin and, and, and Ryan, we left them with 35 contacts that are interested in campus ministry. Now, you have to understand that in Colombia, nobody wants to talk about their faith. That this is where we're at today in, in that country, that nobody wants to talk about their faith. So when I sat down and I would talk to people, they, they, could be, they, they would say that they had a relationship with the Lord, but they were so uncomfortable talking about Jesus. This is such a great need. And so we're excited that God has uh, asked us and led us to, to, to this mission. And uh, we hope and pray that some of our students will catch the vision and go give a year or maybe a lifetime to, to serving in Colombia. So we're excited about that.
Again, I can't say enough about partnership. We've seen God do so many things in three and a half years at Virginia Tech. For when I got here, maybe there was 20, 25 students involved with Chi Alpha. On a Wednesday night, we're seeing about 150 gather to worship the Lord. We're seeing students get saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, physical healing. And and it's just been a fun time, honestly. I I love Jesus and I love watching him move. And I'm humbled that I get to be a part of of what he's doing. there's a, a young man, uh, when he came to the university, he wasn't really sure he wanted to get plugged into to Christianity. I would say that he didn't even have a relationship with God, but he had, he had frequented the, the door of the church. And, um, and he found some students um, doing snow cones outside uh, one of his dorms, which was Chi Alpha, and we were giving out free snow cones on campus. And he thought, why not? So he put his name down, and we, we connected with him. He came to a couple of our parties and our social events in the beginning of the year. He got plugged into a small group, and within a, a semester, he gave his life to the Lord. His second semester as a freshman at Virginia Tech, he, he had broken his leg a couple times, his ankle a couple times when he was younger, and for, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not a medical person, but for some reason, his bones had fused together so that his ankle could not go like this, and so it just stayed locked like that, and he came up one, I had been preaching on healing. And he came up for healing because he had a cold. And we had a student praying for him. And he steps back and he realizes his ankle had range of motion. A week later, he gets baptized in the Holy... This is his freshman year. A week later, he gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. His sophomore year, he comes to Columbia with me on a mission trip. And he's sitting on the bus. We come back from a ministry event real late at night. And he's, he's crying. Nobody notices it. He goes back to his room, and he's been bombarded by lies of the enemy. You don't belong here. You've got nothing to offer. All these things. And, uh, and so we get back to the, to the hotel, and some of the guys come to my room to get me, and they're like, you've got to come. Um, because his, this, this young man's name is Zach. And he's like, Zach is, is, is just crying. He's not doing well. And so I come back to the room. We, we, we talk a little bit, and, and then we just begin to pray. And we're praying and praying. And I felt like the Lord said, stand him up and give him a hug. So I stood him up and I said, Zach, just hug him, squeeze him hard. And I just said, man, I love you. And then every one of our guys on that team came and gave him a hug. And I think I remember specifically the last guy said to him, Zach, I'm so proud to call you my brother. And it just broke. And he sat down, and again, he dropped his head, you know, and I, I just felt like, Zach, it's time to lift your head. Don't, don't, don't drop your head. Start looking up. And, and he looked up, and all of a sudden the spirit falls on him, and he starts laughing. I think he laughed for about two and a half hours. I thought we were going to get kicked out of the hotel because the gringos were laughing too hard. And uh, it's just amazing. This, la- this year, uh, we had a worship service, and uh, someone had a word that, that, su- that there were people in the room that couldn't connect with God because their relationship with, with their father had been so distant. So they see God as this, this distant person, this distant being. And, and he came back for prayer. And we just got to see God do some deep inner work of healing in his heart. And he's just a different person. He was just with me in, in Colombia again, and he had an encounter with the Lord that... Um, Again, continue to bring greater transformation in his life. 
But my question is, is where would Zach be if Chi Alpha didn't exist at Virginia Tech? Where would he be today? See, this is one story of one life that's been changed. But not every student that comes to Virginia Tech has the same outcome. So we value your prayer because we want to see the students, every one of them, 30,000 of them, have an encounter like that. I don't think that's, that's too big a thing for my God. I think he died for, for all people, which is that none should perish. And so we just appreciate your prayers and your support because we want to see their, their students like that who come to campus don't know God, leave knowing God, being healed, transformed and empowered to then go out and transform his community wherever God places him. Amen? So I know that you guys live in this area, obviously, if you're here. But I'm going to ask that you do this. That every time you see a VP in the back of a car, would you say this simple prayer? I'd send revival to Virginia Tech. Would you do that? Let's, let's just open in prayer. We're going to pray one minute for Virginia Tech, and I'll pray for the word, and we'll go forth. Amen? God, we just cry out for Virginia Tech today. God, we thank you that these young people are people that you love, that you died for. God, we ask that you would raise up more laborers, God, for this university. God, we want to see revival come to Virginia Tech. God, we don't, we don't care how. God, we just want to see it. God, we want to see lives changed and transformed. God, people set on fire, God. So we ask, God, that you'd release your spirit, God, at the campus, Lord Jesus, and that you would awaken, God, even the Christians, God, to live and take a stand, God, for the truth of the gospel, God, that people will become unashamed for the gospel, Lord God. We ask, God, that those that don't know you, God, that you'd remove blinders, God, that you'd soften hearts, God, that as we're on campus, we would see seeds, God, planted on good soil, the good soil of the heart. So we ask, God, that you would move, God. And God, I pray that, God, the rest of this semester, God, we would see soul after soul after soul come into the kingdom. God, we want to see that, God, that every week we'd be praying people into the kingdom. God, would you release that, that anointing upon our lives and that we would see this very thing. God, thank you, God. We just say, send revival to Virginia Tech. And God, now we just pray for this morning. We just continue to ask for your spirit to come. God, because we came here to meet with you, God. We came here to hear from you. We came here to be transformed by you. And so, God, we just ask that you would speak to us. God, that your spirit would pierce our hearts with truth. That you would lead and guide us into all truth. And God, we just say we want to know you more. And God, we want every day of our life to be living for the praise of your glory. So we say, come, Lord Jesus. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I was coming over here this morning, and honestly, on my way back from Columbia yesterday, um, I was kind of wrestling a little bit with the Lord about this message. I thought I, I would like to do something else. But, <laughs> but um, I just really feel like and, and pray and hope that, that this is what the Lord has for us this morning. Last year while I was in Columbia, we, we would, again, we did what Peru was doing. We'd go to about eight schools a day, and then at night we'd go to do street ministry. And I think this is about the, the third day in, maybe. Um, we go to this park, and, and, and in there, it's, it's really just a concrete slab with two soccer goals on the end. 
and we would go there. And I played college soccer, and so I kind of can be in my element at time. Of course, I'm getting old, so I can't hang too long with them. But um, anyway, um, we had gone there, and we were there a couple hours early, and we started playing. I started playing with the guys, and there were about three or four younger guys that probably high school age that. I really connected with. Now, I can't speak any Spanish, but because I could play the game of soccer, there was an instant connection with these guys. And I was so excited because I was believing, man, if these guys connect, you know, connected with me, they're going to stick around for the, for the, the you know, we, we're doing dramas and testimonies, and then we're going to preach the gospel. And so I was really excited and believing that every one of them was going to get saved. I really was. And so we, we come to the, to the um, time where we're going to do the dramas, and of course, these guys stay. And we had gathered a little bit of a crowd, and we do our dramas, and then we preach the gospel. And as I'm, uh, as we're preaching the gospel, and we give the the response, there's about a couple older ladies over here that give uh, give their life to the Lord, and about four young people, probably about eight years old, give their life. No movement from these four high schoolers. And I'm like, ah, oh, how could this be? So I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to go take this thing into my own hands. And uh, I told my interpreter, let's go pray for these. Let's go pray for these guys. And to be honest, I don't remember too clearly, but I'm pretty sure I, I basically told the, the, the young man, I was like, God's going to show me something from your past, and, and we're going to see that you know God's real. I mean, that's kind of, I just believe God does that stuff. And so, so I start praying for nothing. I get nothing. And I pray this prayer, and I'm like, afterwards, I, I, I asked him, I said, did you feel anything? Anything? No. I'm like, all right. And so we go back, and I, I'm, you know, we're cleaning everything up, the sound system and everything. And I think I, I even told the students, I said, all right, it's time to kick the dust off our feet and move on from here. I get in the in the bus to go back to the hotel, and the Holy Spirit begins to convict me because I had gotten on the bus as if that was a failure. And I felt like the Holy Spirit started to convict my heart. How how dare you consider this a failure? It's like eight people just came into the kingdom. Who cares how old they are or how young they are? Eight people just came into the kingdom. And, you know, of course, I repented. And I even shared with the students that night that I repented before the students. I said, guys, I, I should never say that. You know, just kick the rest off. Because we know that our God is a God that pursues the one. And if one comes, we know that there is a party. In the heaven. The reason I share that story with you this morning is because the passage I want to look at is a passage that personally I viewed as as a failure in Paul's ministry. That as I as I read the pa- and here's why because it, it's the passage where he goes to Athens and and in a- you don't see a letter to the church in Athens in the Bible. There wasn't a lot of things that happened there, and for years I looked at this passage as if, if as if well Paul. You tried to reason with them too well, you know? If you would have just moved in the power of the Spirit, you probably had a church in Athens. But I'm not the only one that has even seen that as, as a failure. In fact, I've read some, some commentaries where some of these scholars would say, yeah, Paul was, just wasn't on it in Athens. That maybe he tried too hard to reason with them. And so, <clears throat> but I want to propose to us this morning that this event in Athens, and if, you, if we viewed it as a failure, we would miss the very things I think that God wants us to see through this passage and, and learn. And so, if you have your Bibles, would you turn to Acts chapter 17? 
we know this, and, and I'm, I'm not going to read the, the whole chapter, but we know this at the end of, I think it's verse 34 in Acts 17, that there's at least four people that, that come to know Jesus. And one of these guys was on the council in the Arapaca, which is one of the most influential places, and we'll, we'll take a look at, at that in a little bit. But Acts chapter 17. Now let me, let me I'm going to jump back to, to verse 4. We'll start in 14 because I want you to see something as we dive into this. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left him with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue, both with Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then then they took him and brought him to the meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. The first question for us this morning is, do you care what other people worship? Do you care about what other people worship? You see, the thing about Paul is that some of the, his, his fellow believers escorted him to Athens. Like, they were like, all right, we need to bring you over here. And he was there waiting for his buddies, his, his missionary companions, to join him there. And now, you have to understand this, Athens in their day was, was a gorgeous city. The architecture was unbelievable for their time. It was also the most intellectual place in their day. And, and, and so, here it is, is Paul's walking around, and, and he could have just taken in the sights because of how beautiful this place was. The architecture was, was again, ahead of its time. And most of these magnificent pieces were temples to foreign gods. In fact, in, in the day that he was there, again, it was said that it was easier to find a god in Athens than a man. And that was the very thing that distressed Paul. That as he found himself in Athens, walking around Athens, instead of being taken back by the beauty of the city, instead of being taken back by how how smart these people were, he was distressed because they lived and worshipped idols. I think before we move on, it would be good for us to understand what what is an idol? Now, I don't think you would say probably for most of us it's easy to walk around Blacksburg and we don't see that many monuments, that many temples to foreign gods. But there is plenty of idol worship in Christiansburg and Blacksburg. An idol is something within creation that is inflated to function as a substitute for God. Idolatry may not involve explicit denials of God's existence or character. It may well come in the form 
of an overattachment to something that is in itself perfectly good. An idol can be a physical object, a property, a person, an activity, a role, an institution, a hope, an image, an idea, a pleasure, a hero, anything that can substitute for God. Quote by Richard Keyes. Ken Sandy says this, In biblical terms, it is something other than God that we set our hearts on, that motivates us, that masters and rules us, or that we can trust, fear, or serve. An idol can also be referred to as a false god or a functional god. What are the idols that are being worshipped in our community? What are the things that people set their hearts on? What are the things that motivate people? What are the things that master people? I think it's, as we walk around campus, it's, it's easy to begin, or even the city, it's easy to begin that one, I think people worship self more than anything. That people are more concerned about taking care of self, giving self everything that it needs. We go the extra mile to get to Starbucks. We, we, we really only live for self. I mean, there's so many other things I could say about that, but in our culture, sex is an idol. Alcohol is an idol. Athletics, even parents, education, intellectualism, these can all be idols. And here's the reality. If we have idols in our own life, we will not be provoked to a righteous anger or be distressed by the idol worship of others. Why? Because that will only justify our own idol worship. As I read, as I think about Paul moving in, walking around Athens and being provoked to this, I ask God, let me be that way. God, I want a heart that that is not okay with the way people worship idols. I, I don't want I don't want to to walk around and be numb to that thing. And here's the reality: I'm a missionary at Virginia Tech. That's what I've come to reach the lost. I've come to disciple those and and see uh, people step into to eternal life. That's that's why I'm there. And here's the reality, in four and three and a half years of, of my being there, it's so easy when things are going well, when you're like, oh man, we're, we're seeing students, you know, love Jesus, and you start to forget how lost the world around you is. And I wonder is, if, if the church, when I say church, I mean capital C, church worldwide, has gotten comfortable with, with knowing God that we don't really care about what's happening over, out there. You know, because this is, this is pretty sweet. Stepping into the presence of the Lord and having the rich fellowship with one another, that we can sometimes be so blinded to the idol worship outside our door. And we had a worship service on campus. Well, it's kind of on campus, right off campus between Main Street and where our, our campus starts. And and um, I remember I had to park at the Chi Alpha House because there was nothing you know near the area. And I'm walking down. It's like eight o'clock, almost eight o'clock. And I'm watching college students stumble in the street because of their drunkenness at eight o'clock on a Friday night. And I'm thinking, and I began, my heart began to break again. And I thought, God, how could it be that I'm serving on the campus to reach the lost and I've, I've, I've forgotten how much they worship this culture, this, this act of getting, of drunkenness. And I, I just, it, it, it 
it broke my heart and reminded me of why we're here. We go into the worship service. I come out of the worship service and the Lord, it's like the Lord hit me over the head again because now it's late or later for the college or, you know, college students. It really wasn't that late. Night's just beginning. I come out and there's this guy, this, this young man and this young girl and totally intoxicated in the parking lot and he's screaming in her face. I let my students leave and Probably wasn't a good idea thinking about it. And I said, is everything okay here? And this college student came walking over. It's none of your business. And actually, I felt like it was the Lord because there was like this, this like, I don't remember if it was a wall or a fence, but I, I walked, when I said, hey, is everything okay? I walked behind the fence. <laughs> because, but he came up as close as the fence as he could get. And he started yelling at me, this is none of your business. And, and honestly, I, that part of me rose up in me like, dude, I'm 35 years old. I've got a family and kids. Don't treat me like a college student. You know what I'm saying? But I didn't. And I just sat there and I said, listen, I need to know if everything's going to be okay. Because it doesn't look okay. And he said, it's none of your business. Just get out of here. And I, I said, hon, are you okay? She couldn't really look at me. She just kind of like, nodded and wouldn't say anything. So I walked down across the street and I just waited. And it diffused and they left. But I thought to myself, gosh, how much of this goes on? Now, I don't know their story, but here's my thought. Again, because this is what happens on a college campus. Probably in a sexual moral relationship. They were so drunk and perhaps maybe she flirted with another guy and he couldn't handle it. And I just thought, man, sin just just hurt. It ruins everything. And and I was so convicted because, again, what are we doing about that? I don't want to be a campus ministry. I don't want to live a life that isn't concerned with the lost. You see, Paul was greatly distressed because he knew this, that idol worship leads to hell. If we're going to give our lives to worship something, if we're going to, if everything that all of our energy, all of our affection, all of our attention goes to idol worship, it's going to lead you one place. And Paul was not okay with that. He was not okay for people living for a lie, to be deceived by the enemy. Our we distress by the idol worship around us. Now listen, I think that you see that God was moved in the same way. That he's a jealous God. And so when they, they created the golden calf, he was angry. It says in, in Deuteronomy 18, I'm just going to read the last portion of that verse, but doing what was evil in the Lord's sight and so arousing his anger. John Stott says this, Our Creator and Redeemer has the right to our exclusive allegiance and is jealous if we transfer it to anyone or anything else. Moreover, the people of God who love God's name should share in His jealousy for it. Elijah shared in God's jealousy. We see that in 1 Kings 19.10. Again, I'm just going to... 
I just would say this, that from that verse we see that he was distressed, that God's honor was being profaned. And again, we see it in Paul's life. Listen, all of us in here have, have an understanding that, that, that Jesus died for us and that he's given us life. And I would say that most of us in this room will understand that that life um, that we've lived without Jesus was not fulfilling. But when we came to know Jesus, we, we stepped into what life was really about, that, that, that we are created for this relationship with God, that this is, this is truth, that we interact with Him on a daily basis, that we have a relationship with this God, and, and, and with this amazing grace that we've been saved. We know this. We know how He's transformed our lives. Let us not be okay with people around us going to hell while we carry the truth with us. Amen? Paul didn't just get frustrated or angry, but he cared so much to do something about it. He cared enough to do something about it. His response to the idol worship was he would go to the synagogues and reason with the Jews and the God-fearing, the, the, the God-fearing Greeks and then he would go to the marketplace day by day and that anybody was there, he would share the gospel. He would preach Jesus in the streets to a place that that was foreign. Not only foreign to the truth about Jesus, but foreign to Paul. I think it's so amazing because I think that sometimes the church, we, 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 we watch and, and maybe we are aware of those idols that are out there, but we just kind of get frustrated with it and we point fingers. but we do nothing about it. It's, you know, it's the conversation when we come home from work and we talk about how ridiculous it is that this person has done this or cheating on their wife, or, you know, and you see it in the office. Or, um, you know, it's, we, we come home and we see how uh, when our kids are at school and, and, and how they, uh, other kids are influencing them with the things of, of the world and, and we get frustrated with that and, but we don't care enough to invite those parents into our life in order to then share the gospel. We know it's righteous anger because it provoked Paul to action. It provoked him to do something about it while he was there. And I just desire that in my life, that that I would be so distressed that it would move me to care, to rip people out of hell. And I wonder if why people are so frustrated with the church is because sometimes we don't take the stand. We don't stand to love people. Because you know what? If we don't say anything, that's not love. If the church doesn't stand up and care enough to do something about the truth that we know and get it out there, then we're not loving the world like Jesus loved the world. If we're keeping this thing into ourselves and never taking a stand for truth, and for the word of God, then we're not loving the world. And we live in a culture that says, hey, don't ruffle the feathers. We live in a culture that says tolerance is the way. Tolerance is the way if you want to go to hell. If we start to live that way, and we start to just embrace that, you know, well, I don't want to rough anybody's feathers. I'm, I'm a little concerned that if I start to take a stand at work, maybe I'll lose my job. 
But what if the church arose, care enough so much about the truth that we do something about it? You know, I love that, that Tulio is getting involved in, in the community of, his, of the school. Why? For the sake of building relationship and sharing the gospel. This is why the church exists. I don't know why God has chosen to do this, right? Because you're like, God, just show up, man. And, but I think it's, it's for our own good. You know, I've been in campus ministry 11 years. And I have found in 11 years that my, when my students graduate, I know, you know, when I, when I, I, keep, I try to keep as, you know, in relationship with most of my students that graduate. So I call them every now and then. And I'll see what they're doing on Facebook. And when I start to see things that don't look so good, I definitely, make the re- I definitely reach out to them, you know? But I, I've come, and a couple of us have come to, to realize, I think there's three things that really hold people to the Lord. That they're anchored by these three things. Anchored in their relationship with God. I say intimacy is number one. That we need to be intimate with Jesus. Community is number two. And number three is witness. I believe God knows this, that as we witness, we, we are putting ourselves in a place where we're dependent upon God. And in that moment, when you see Him move, it stirs your life. And I think that if we become dormant and don't begin reaching out, we become coasters. Just trying to coast it in to the end. We're good. I don't, I don't want to coast. In fact, I would say this, we're closer, can I say this? We're closer to the end than we've ever been before, right? (laughs) And as we get closer and closer, I want to run harder and faster. As we near the end of our race, I want to run harder and faster for the Lord. Will we care enough to do something about it? And here's the reality, is, uh, you know, last... (laughs) I'm laughing because over the over my trip, you always say, "Here's the reality," or the reality is, sorry. Anyway, two summers or two semesters ago, or maybe maybe it was three or four, I can't remember. But anyway, we were doing this outreach event on campus where it was called a two question test, and we we put up this banner that just said, "Are you going to heaven?" We were asking two questions as people were walking by. The two questions are, "Are you going to heaven when you die?" and "Why do you believe that?" and and we were doing this. Th- and it was it was awesome, just the conversations we were getting into and praying people into the kingdom because they thought they were going to get there because they're good, just the deception of the enemy, right? Anyway, we're, we're talking to people, and this young man who's off in the distance comes walking towards me, and he goes, what are you doing? You're not loving anybody? I said, whoa, do you know what we're doing here? Yeah, it's obvious from your sign. I've seen your sign. I asked him a little bit of who he was, and he was a Christian that was involved in a, in a different ministry on campus. And I said, friend, I am loving people. Because the majority on this, of people on this campus that I've talked to in the last week think they're going to heaven because they're good. And guess what? That's not going to get them to heaven. Only Jesus is. See, true love tells people the truth. We've got to be people that tell people the truth. Will we care enough to do something about it? Paul cared enough that in his time while he was waiting for his 
missionary companions to come. He cared enough to go to the synagogue. He cared enough to go to the marketplace day by day to preach Jesus. Because he knew it's the only way. Is he the only way to the Father? Of course. But will we, will we do something about that? I have a brother right now who he knows all there is to know about God, but he doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. He called me on my, my birthday about a month ago. He said, happy birthday. I was like, hey, man, thanks for calling, you know. I was like, hey, I got some good news for you. Cheryl and I are going to have another baby. Um, they're not married. This is going to be their second child. Um, is this something you guys plan? Yeah, we just thought it would be good for Joey to have a, a sibling. How about parents? How about a married couple to have a, a healthy home? The way God intended it to be. Now listen, my brother doesn't like to talk to me because I'm not okay with just brushing over the lies. And I love them to death, and, and I try not to just force it. But the reality is, is the rest of my family will not tell him the truth. But if we really love people, we tell them the truth. If we really love our neighbor, we'll tell them the truth. If we really love the people at our workplace, we'll tell them the truth. I had a student at the University of Maryland who, who told me, you don't believe in hell? Because if you believe in hell, I think you're an evil person. If you believe in hell and you're not doing everything you possibly can to keep people from going there, I believe you're evil. Do we care enough to do something about it? Lastly, and I love Jesus, let me just say this, because you see Jesus in the scriptures, he always goes to the heart issue. He always goes to the idol. He always goes to the place, the young rich ruler, right? He was like, what much did I do to be saved? He's like, sell it all. Why? Because it was the only way to unlock his heart from the other lover in order to really embrace Jesus as the full love of his life. How about, how about the woman at the well? The reality of it is, is he went right there. You know, when I read that story, I'm like, ooh, maybe you shouldn't touch that. But he goes right there. Why? Because it's the issue of her heart. He's more concerned about the heart and speaking truth and love to release them from their idol worship, to grab hold of their life. Lastly, I would say this. Do you care enough to inconvenience yourself? Listen, Paul was there waiting for his buddies. He could have just coasted through life. He didn't have to engage the culture. He didn't have to engage the people that were worshiping idols, but he did because he cared enough to inconvenience his life. So every day we see him doing something in order to preach the gospel. Every day he engaged the most intellectual community of his day in Athens. He was willing to inconvenience himself. And I wonder today if we've gotten so comfortable with our community and our fellowship that we won't inconvenience ourselves to, to, to break out in order to, to share the gospel. Would we inconvenience our, ourselves enough to invite our neighbor over for dinner, to, to interrupt the family moment to, in, in order to build a relationship with the sake of sharing the gospel? Would we inconvenience ourselves enough to perhaps maybe there's people in this room that God has called them to, to be a part of missions, forward missions, but you haven't moved because it's going to inconvenience your family. 
Because kids will no longer have the friends in the school that they're having. You'll have to sell everything you own in order to get there. It's an inconvenience. But do you care enough to inconvenience yourself? Because in order to inconvenience yourself for the gospel, it takes time, energy. That you, it, it, it's about time, right? Again, Paul could have just coasted through. We're not home yet. And we won't be until Jesus calls us home or he comes back. And while we're here in this earthly suit, will we be willing to inconvenience ourselves enough to see people ripped out of hell? You know what happens when Paul inconveniences himself? He gets one of the most intellectual, influential audiences of his day. They bring him to um, the place, the council, which, listen to this, where its members were the guardians of the city's religion, morals, and education. These were the people that said, this is what we can do. This is what's allowed in here. They were the ones, the guardians, that determined what religion, what morals, and what education was going on there in that city. These were the people that let it in. It was the gateway. And Paul was, was, was one their audience because he was willing to inconvenience himself. We, we Virginia Tech, I, I think and I believe there's some professors here. What an opportunity. What an opportunity to engage some of the most intellectual people in our city. Especially if you work there. School systems, what, wherever you work, would you inconvenience yourself to step out and share the gospel, where you live, would you inconvenience yourself to invite people into your life? Listen, we go to other countries, and they're the most hospitable people in the world, so much so that it makes me feel uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Because then I think, gosh, I'm such a terrible neighbor. We had a a student, his senior year, who decided to move back in the dorms. He decided to move back in the dorms because he wanted to reach as many people as possible, and he thought if he could live with freshmen, he would be able to do it. He led a small group that year of 22 guys. He joined the atheist group. Why? Not because he was atheist, but because he was on a secret mission. What could we do? What could we do? What are the the different avenues, maybe even the different talents that you have that you could use for the Lord? Would you care enough to inconvenience yourself in order to get, get out there? In order to make his name known? To see people say, would you pray with me? I share this message with you because 
I can't shake this message from my own life. I want to be someone who's moved to a righteous anger to be distressed over idol worship. It's something that I'm asking God to do in my own heart. I don't know where you're at this morning. But if you would say, man, God, I just, I haven't cared. I don't really care about my neighbor. I haven't really been burdened for the lost. It doesn't even move me that they're going to hell. Then I would say, let's respond to the Lord this morning. I've been thinking a lot lately about my neighbor who doesn't know the Lord. And I don't want him. I kind of had a, I don't know if it was a dream or a vision, but he basically, in this dream or vision, he died. And he said, how can I live next to you and you not tell me? How can I have lived next to you and you never tell me the truth? I don't want it to be too late for those people that are around us. But God, help me to care enough to do something about it. Help me to be broken enough, God, that that it would move me to do something about it. Maybe today you would say, God, I I really want that heart. And if that's you, I'd say, and the altars are open. Some of us just need to repent and and say, God, we're sorry for not, not loving people, not caring. Maybe some of us are in the room and we realize today that we're the type of person that just, we do get frustrated, but we don't do anything about it. But that today you realize, God, I want to, I want to be someone who's active in ripping people out of hell. I want to be active in, in sharing the gospel. I want to be moved to do this. If that's you, then I'd say, come forward. Or maybe there's some people in the room that, man, you've, you've felt the call of God, but you're not, you, you've realized that you just haven't wanted to inconvenience yourself for the sake of the gospel. When I say inconvenience yourself, I'm saying, are, are we willing to die to self? Are we willing to die to self in order to see the gospel preached around the world? preached in our community, preached in our neighborhood. So these altars are open. I'm just going to pray. If you'd like prayer, you can come forward or just get with the Lord. God, I just say that that I'm sorry, God. I don't ever want to be complacent. I don't ever want to be someone who who doesn't care about the, the, the people that are lost and worshiping idols and living for a lie. God, they weren't created for this. God, let me be moved by the love of the Lord. God, we say, God, would you give us your heart for the lost this morning? We want to be provoked to a righteous anger. God, we want to be moved, God, by by the lies that people live for, that we wouldn't be okay with people and the the lies of the enemy that people have been living for. God, would would you move our hearts? Would you give us your heart this morning? We say, come, Jesus. Change our hearts this morning. We want to care. God, we want to care this morning. God, then embolden us, God. 
to do something about it, to get out in the, the highways and the byways, to share the gospel, to preach Jesus Christ. To love people enough to tell the truth. God, if there's family members that we haven't loved enough to tell the truth, God, would you begin to break our heart for that, God? That we would, be, we would love our neighbor, God, the people we work with, God, that we would love our own families enough to tell them the truth. That Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. That no one, there is no other name in which we are saved. God, that we would be willing to love people that much. And that we would be willing to love people that much that we'd even inconvenience ourselves. That we would expend time and energy to share the gospel, to build relationships, to step into communities that need you, God. God, would you send us, we just say, here we are. God, send us, God. Do it in our hearts, Jesus. Thank you, God. Jesus' name. Amen. I'm just really convicted about a, uh, just a message that the Lord gives us. Just as Anthony was declaring, it really just went along, you know, with the uh, the man going down from Jerusalem. We call it the Good Samaritan, and you know, and that as he goes, he you know he's robbed and he's stripped and he's beaten and they leave him half dead. And I, and I, I just pray that we get that picture in our spirits and minds. I mean of our neighbors, uh, of people that we know, most of them are in this position. They might not be physically, but they are way in that spiritually. Uh, stripped, beaten, and half dead. And of course the priest goes down, the religiousness of our lives sometimes passes by people. You know, and then you got a Levite also came by. Then a, a Samaritan came. You know, who supposedly doesn't really know the love of God, but he's moved with something, and and I just pray that this is what we're moved by. It was on a journey, came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. See, sympathy doesn't get it. You'll be condemned by sympathy all all year all year long, all but your life long. But I think what Anthony's trying to convince us is that asking God to call upon a compassion, calling upon something that moves us beyond just. And I think even as we're in this place of God's presence, when God shows up, He really is concerned with the one. He really loves that one. He really loves to see that rejoicing in heaven. And, in heaven. and so as, you, as we are talking about this presence, corporate presence, but individual presence, that's what we carry out. That's what we carry out. So I want us just to stand and I'm going to have some people come up and just pray. I, and I just feel like, Especially as I know that the Lord, <laughs> y'all might get tired of me speaking about this, but as the Lord has freed me from fear and intimidation, I think some of us have walked in that, and that we see the people beaten up, and, and they're, you know, they might be acting like the guy did, getting up in his face and saying, you know, no, there's not a problem here, you, you can go on. But I think what God's calling us to do is some, sometimes we have to invade that life. We have to really move past, I, I think that's what I was fearing, the fear and intimidation was like, they don't really want to be, they don't want their lives to be invaded, but they do. 
because they're lost, because they're looking and searching for something they don't have. But we have it, and that's, that's Jesus. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, and I, I just pray that the uh, compelling, uh, that compelling uh, place of compassion, God, would rise up within us, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, God, that would move us past, Lord, sympathy, that would move us past, Lord, our own physical, Lord, Lord, as he was calling us out to care, as he's calling us to have compassion, God, come and invade even our lives so that we can invade others. Lord God, invade our lives with that power and presence of your Holy Spirit to to go forth into others. And some of us just need to respond to that. Some of us need to just be prayed for right now. Just come on up if that's you. Just prayed for for the confidence and the power and the presence of God to fill you to, to move in that compassion. I just there's a place that there's an openness to pray. We can pray for you in that. Just come on, come on up. There's a place for that. But there's a place that we may have been moved by fear, or we may be moved by intimidation, and then we're not moved. Or, or we might be moved by, does that person really want what I got? And some of us are have been, like I said, I'm just coming out of this, but fear of their idols. That their idols are bigger than what I got. I mean, I don't know if you've ever felt that. But when you're trying to minister to somebody and all of a sudden their idol becomes bigger than what you got in you, that's a, that's a frustrating place. And God, God wants to say today, there's a day, a declaration that God can be bigger in your life. And God can be bigger than anything that they have to come against. So just come. Lord, I just pray. Lord, I, I just believe there's a few more to come few more to come in jesus name i think one of the most things back in the day when we did farm and family showcases back on the coopers used to run that we used to do a, a christian um we used to do a, it was a the, the farmer christian farmers association used to do a, a a thing and we'd share the gospel with the beads you know the the colored beads and then we'd give them a free stick so they'd always i mean we we had the most people coming to our than anything. You know why? Because they wanted the stick. And we got to share the gospel with them. But what broke my heart and what reminds me of Anthony's message is the fact that almost 90 to 95 percent of the people I asked, you know, because we used the kind of the method, you know, where would you, you know, if you, if you went down the road, you know, and you died today, what, you know, where would you go? Would you go to heaven? And I almost 90 to 95 percent said, I hope so. Broke my heart. I'm like, wait a minute, you don't, and these are some, these are some believers probably that know the Lord, that have walked this Christian life, you know, for 60 years, 70 years, there's some older people coming in there, and I'm like, man, what a tragedy to, I want to know so, I don't want people to know so, and I think that's what Anthony's calling us to, is that compassion within us to see that we know so, that we know so, so can can somebody get with each person here? And we're just going to pray right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just, we just agree with that, that message to come, call us forth. Call us forth out of our seats. Call us forth out of our, out of our own lives and our own bubbles, Lord God. And I know that I'm, I'm, I'm guilty, Lord God. I'm guilty. I'm thinking of my next door neighbor who doesn't know you that, that believes in all sorts of crazy weird stuff probably. That I, but I just pray that, God, you would continue to move us with compassion. Move us with your power and your presence, God, so that we can move out of our own selves 
in our own places, our own. And Lord, we can take note of when people are beside the road, Lord. We've been passing those people, Lord. We've been passing those, Lord, as a good, the good Samaritan. We've been those priests and Levites. We've been passing the people, Lord, and they're brokenhearted. God, they're, they're, they're frustrated with themselves. They're trying to find something. They've been placing their, their lives in an, an idolic worship, Lord. And, and Lord, we just ask, even, even the believers, even when they made the golden calf, it was because they were, they were frustrated with you, Lord God, because you didn't move like they wanted to. You didn't move on their behalf, so they made something that, made, that they could move on their behalf. Or at least so it seemed. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, even we would call forth Christians and believers that know, even like his brother, Lord, he knows. But sometimes we've got to call them forth and continue to love them and love them enough to call them forth. And, Lord, I just pray that we would, each one individually that's standing up here, God, I just, you're, 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 I don't even know how to say it. You're deeming them caller forthers. I don't even know how you say that, but. God, you're putting in them, Lord, something that calls forth out of somebody else the kingdom of God that's within them. God, I really believe you created each of us, as, as Anthony declared, that, that you believe that all men can, and Lord, I believe all men can be saved because you put it within them. You put in a measure of faith within each person. And we call that measure of faith out in people, Lord. I just pray these up here would be caller forthers, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, us. God, us as a body, God, that we would just take note. God, open our eyes to see and take note of the of, of the those that have been robbed, those that have been robbed of faith, those that have been robbed of uh, of situations and circumstances in life, and they're mad and they're frustrated and they're going other places other than you. And that that we're moved with that compassion to call them forth back into the kingdom. And I pray you'd put people within our lives this week that we can love that way. We can love that way. And Lord, just... And some of us, you know, we've got to work our way into that. Some of us, it's going to be... Okay, I, need to, I, I want to start praying for my neighbor, and I'm going to start praying for my neighbor, but then there's going to be a place where, all right, I'm going to reach out to my neighbor. I'm going to reach out to my neighbor. Don't get stuck in just the good intentions, God. We just pray that we would not get stuck in the good intentions. But God, that we would move forth, God. You've called us... You've called us corporately to walk in your presence, and you've called us individually to walk in your presence. And when you show up, you have compassion. And when your compassion starts, starts walking in this place, it moves. But it moved, it moved Paul. It moved Paul to not be stagnant. It moved Paul to be at a place where he would go every day, as Anthony declared. And God, so Lord, we just pray that every day, God, we see a new uh, a place of loving people, of loving them enough to declare the kingdom, to tell them the truth, to love them out of it. To love them out of it. And Lord, just as you, like just as he declared, he went to the rich young ruler and the rich young ruler walked away. God, we got to be ready for that. The people will walk away and we don't have to take that on ourselves, Lord, because you said even in your word that, Lord, those They'll per- you'll, you'll go through persecution. Some of that persecution is people walking away and you're going to be left going, gosh, did I didn't do enough or what? The, Lord, Anthony left those four guys sitting there. But they, he did what he had to do. He did what he felt like God was calling him to do and it wasn't a failure. God, I pray that in the name of Jesus, those four men come to the, know the Lord because of that. 
because it will be on them so much that that guy came all the way from the United States to, to, to declare us, to, to, to speak into us and pray over us. And God, it will not come back void. We agree with that right now. Those four men, in the name of Jesus, come to know you. We thank you for the grandmas and, the, and those children that came to know the Lord. But Lord, we even more so, we ask and continue to pray that God, even those that got saved, God, in the name of Jesus, would go forth in power. And, and these men's lives that he was praying for, God, will come to know you in Jesus' name. So Lord, we just continue to ask, God, we would not grow weary in this, in this, in this call to... Lord, we would not go out of this place. We go out of this place filled with your Holy Spirit to go say yes to that. Say yes to that call. Yes to that place. So Lord, we bless you. We honor you. We thank you, Father. You are faithful in that, Lord. You are faithful to call us to a place of not, of not being comfortable. But God, being God's men and women in this place. Jesus. Jesus. Does anybody else? I just encourage you. If anybody else needs to respond, don't just. Don't take lightly that that place. I just know several weeks back when I just took the opportunity to say yes, Lord, to breaking off fear and intimidation. It it was the moment that I needed. And I just encourage you, come. Break that's that's what needs to happen. Break that off so that you can go forth in that power. You can go forth in that authority that God's given you. Anybody else? Thank you. So, Lord, we thank you, God. Thank you. And we're just going to continue to let God do the work up here. And I'm going to dismiss you here in just a second. But we just want to also pray for Ron. Lord, we just declare Ron as he's over in Africa right now. In Jesus' name, God. You will walk with him, God, in such power and, and your presence, God, that you would protect him, protect Karen and the, and the kids back here, or, or maybe Jake's still over there, but we just continue to pray in Jesus' name, God, just for just supernatural uh, favor and open doors, God, as he's there, God, just thank you for your, just your, just the fellowship of your spirit, God, as he goes. Lord, we just pray that, God, it would be such a presence god we continue to declare healing over his body god heal his body from that whatever is going on that uh that tries to to torment his back and his shoulders and god just supernaturally continue to remove that god in the name of jesus in the name of jesus there was a, a another word in, in the first service and i'm burning just i mean sorry <laughs> before the first service we are in the first just in relationship to back um in relationship to healing, so I just want to. Oh, Brandon's there. So, if you need in relationship to your back, if something's going on. Any other? Y'all get any other words? Anything? What's that? Oh, he got you. So, if you need anything else in relationship to healing, physical healing, come and get prayer for it.
but be blessed. Have a great week. Go forth in the call that Anthony's given us. And it's to be, to not be just blinded by our own bubbles. But Lord, to really be provoked for the things that are of the kingdom out there. So go forth in that. Go forth in power, the presence of God to go with you. In Jesus' name. Amen.